Steve Laughlin at Excel uh, and Brian Umovey, they asked, so what are you guys thinking about the CEO? And my answer to that was that I'm hoping that, you know, as part of the fundraising, the, the VC firm will probably help us secure a professional CEO who, you know, help us scale. Steve Laughlin, I, I will never forget this, looked into him and goes like, have you ever thought about yourself being the CEO? And I'm like, I swear to God, until that moment, I never thought about it. I'm like, I wouldn't even know where to begin. What do, what do I do? It's like, it's, it's very simple. You only have to do three things. Hi, and welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, brought to you by SaaStock, hosted by me, as usual, Alex Suma, CEO of SaaStock. In a couple of weeks, uh, I'll be in Sydney for SaaStock Oceania. That'll be December the 6th, to be precise. We're bringing the SaaStock experience uh, all the way to Sydney for the first time. Uh, One of the speakers on the day will be Ashik Ahmed, and he's the guest on the podcast today. He's the CEO and CTO of Deputy. And Ashik is going to talk about the shit that he wished he knew as he was growing the company. One of the central themes in that talk is about the learning curve in making better decisions. Uh, In the run-up to his talk, obviously, we sat uh, for this podcast episode to chat with Ashik uh, about what he's learned about making better decisions and decision-making frameworks. Uh, Ashik actually bootstrapped the company for eight years and relied, obviously, on their revenue as a bootstrap business to grow the business, uh, which called for a specific kind of uh, decision-making. Uh, Never too long-term, but always fast-paced. And then two years ago, they signed a term sheet with OpenView uh, for their Series A and have been doubling in size each year since. So listen on to learn the most impactful advice Ashik ever got about making decisions. If you're making a decision, and if it's in this order, company, customer, employee, partner, probably not make the wrong decision. I mean, don't make a decision that is bad for the company, but great for customer. Like, hey, let's lower our prices, okay? If it, you know, it's great for customers if you lower your prices, but it's bad for the company in terms of growth. Or, hey, everybody gets to work four days per week. Great for employee, but not necessarily great for customer who are, you know, uh, seeking service or the company in terms of what it can do in terms of its productivity in there. What, aside from applying that framework, is essential for making good decisions in a fast-growing SaaS company? We have literally doubled every year for the last few years. Think about a team which is doubling. Think about a human body that will double in size. Every bone structure, every cell, every muscle that is to support that body also needs to double to bear the weight of that growth. And if you're not growing, you know, the body, if that part of the body, some, some part of the body is not growing, the whole body will crumble. So quite often, you know, it, it's about identifying people in management or leadership or in that position, whether, whether they are scaling with the growth and you know, bringing in, either helping them grow in there or like kind of bringing in outside, outside leadership to you know, assist um, in that department function. Like you know, I, I personally look at myself, I have to learn how to be twice the leader, twice the CEO every year in there. And if I, if I can't be, then you know, I'm not doing justice by, by the business. An example of how Sheik made the decision to go with OpenView after pitching to 27 other VC companies. If you look at VC just for somebody who's bringing in money, that's probably the wrong way to look at it. I look at it, the fact that, hey, if I'm the investor uh, that I'm bringing on board, number one, have they built a business? Do they know have pain and suffering and trauma that I'm going to go through that, or we're going to go through and they're gonna help me guide through it? Do they also share the passion I mean, do they understand where we are at, how big it can be, 
uh, what are the opportunities and and challenges do they do they do they have the same level of passion and feeling that i do so hopefully if you're uh, in australia uh, or new zealand or in the vicinity you'll fancy a flight uh, uh, to australia for the first time like me uh, you'll join us on December the 6th uh, to hear Ashik's talk about the ship that he wished he knew uh, when he was building Deputy, uh, as well as the other exciting speakers such as Alex Faller, CEO of Vend, uh, Luke Anir, CEO of Safety Culture, Kirsty Grant, CEO of Populate, Mike Sharkey, CEO of Autopilot. There's a, a, a shit ton of uh, great speakers, actually. Um, so really excited about uh, uh, this is what's shaping up to be one of the, uh, uh, the best lineups in SaskLock's history. Uh, so, if you want to join us at SASTOC Oceania? Uh, come and join us uh, now. Go to sastock.com uh, and are uh, happy to give you, the listeners, a 30% discount code whilst tickets last. Use my personal discount code, AlexT30. Now, on with the show. Uh, welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, uh, Ashik Ahmed, uh, CTO and CEO of Deputy. Welcome, Ashik. Welcome, Alex. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. And so you're, uh, uh, as we were just saying, it's uh, super early, uh, maybe perhaps the earliest uh, uh, podcast interview that I've done, like from your side uh, or from the guest side, as it's, uh, as it's 6 a.m. Uh, from, uh, from where you are, right? Yeah, that's right. It's 6 a.m. in Sydney. But when you run a global business and when you want to enjoy the lifestyle that Sydney has to offer, there's some give and take. So, I mean, usually my first meeting is either 5.30 or 6 a.m. every day anyway. So this is good. Uh, okay. Uh, All right, good. So, so so I'm you, used to it. You've, you've had a coffee or you've been up for, uh, uh, for a couple of hours already? Or? I, I'm up for an hour. I have my coffee with me. As Excellent. All right. So, good. So, um, right. I mean, well, uh, let, let, let's find out a little bit about who you are. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, well, I, I'm an immigrant in Australia. I actually, I was actually born in Bangladesh. I came here at the age of um, 16. I, with my family in, in Melbourne, I did my high school here. I did my um, University um, as well in University of Melbourne, uh, but a chance that it actually I I met my current co-founder Steve Shelley um, in his in his business, um, and I I started working for him. And as I started working for him, and this is actually in Sydney. I, after I graduated, I moved to Sydney, um, and I, I started working for him. And I found that how inefficient was his business, and this business was more in the world of uh, aviation. Um, so he started this small business, just him and his brother in 1992. And uh, in 10 years, he grew that business to about 200 people. Um, uh, but it was a lot of blood, sweat and tear to grow that business. And being in aviation means that it's the most difficult, like, you know, it's militant, it's compliant, it's 42 hours. Uh, and you don't actually have room for error because, you know, you're playing with people's lives almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very, very stressful. Um, uh, for him to grow that business. I mean, and as I walked in, I, and this is well before the world of cloud, the well before the world of SaaS or smartphone, I noticed all the challenges he was having in his business, especially around uh, people challenges. And we were able to come up with some solutions in-house to um, solve those problems. I mean, a simple problem. What happens when somebody calls in sick? Okay. In your world in, or, or in my world right now, in, in, in white color, 
um, you know, workforce, it's, okay, somebody didn't come, somebody didn't come, all right? A project is delayed or that function is not getting done, that's fine. In his world, somebody not coming to work meant that, you know what, you don't have when somebody qualified to push back that plane, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, do some really highly qualified um, load balancing or trimming jobs, for example. And, you know, how you go handle that problem is very, 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 very stressful. Like, and I mean, managers or him himself would dread waking up and getting a phone call that someone cannot come today. Okay. That will just throw everything apart um, um, in, in his world for that day. I mean, these are the kind of problems. This is like a one of 100 different problems that uh, I started solving for him in his business. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my background was actually uh, computer science. Uh, so through use of technology, um, and it, the results were so great that over the next three years, we were able to grow that business from 200 people to 1,400 people. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, in the first 10 years for Steve, uh, you know, he was so occupied with his business that he couldn't, you know, spend any time with his family. He didn't even see his kids grow up. And, um, you know, and then uh, obviously uh, after meeting me through the management team and all the work I did, uh, you know, we scaled the business seven times. Steve actually, um, you know, had another child. He actually got his life back. And at the same time, uh, he was able to scale his business uh, so much. I mean, he subsequently actually has um, uh, sold that business. But I, I felt like, hmm, if I can't do it in one entrepreneur's life, why couldn't I do it for every other entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a small business has a life expectancy of three to five years. Um, and most often people start a business because they have, they have a passion um, about what they want to do or what they're good at. But what they don't know is that the complex that is there arrives, especially with employing people, the challenges of managing workforce in there. Um, if I can, if I can, if I could help one entrepreneur, I want to be able to help every other entrepreneur in the world. And that's how, that's how, you know, I came into the life uh, journey of deputy. I mean, after I'd left um, that business, uh, Steve actually tapped on the shoulder and hey, this thing we had done, everybody I know, all my friends, all my customers keep asking me, hey, can, can, we, can they buy that? Can they buy that? Um, why, don't we, uh, why don't we do something together? And um, I had a three-month holiday. I, I thought about it and, you know what, shook hands and started the journey of Deputy 10 years ago. And the rest is history. <laughs> That's a, a, in the making still. <laughs> in, in the making still, absolutely. And, and so that's a, a great story there. So you saw the pain, obviously, not only did um, that, uh, that, that Steve was having, you know, within, within his business, but obviously there's like a problem, as you said, with, uh, you, you know, many entrepreneurs and small businesses. So you built that product with, within that aviation company, or, uh, obviously you continue to, uh, I guess, build it for, uh, for, for deputy. Did you like, um, initially, uh, did you bootstrap the company? Um, you know, did you, did you get some funding from some private backers, friends and family? Uh, how did you get off the ground? Well, it was completely bootstrapped until we gen- started generating money. I was literally had no income. I was living on my savings and I also got married at the same time when I started deputy and my wife was my first investor. So she kept me uh, <laughs> like in a fed while I worked on deputy. Um, and, you know, Steve, um, you know, we, we self-funded, self-funded the business. I mean, we did not take any investment till pretty much the eighth year, which, okay. which was with OpenView for our series uh, about right about 
What about actually today would be exactly two years ago when we signed our term sheet. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so for first eight years, you know, we, we pretty much self-funded ourselves. Why? And, and that's very impressive. You, you know, I mean, anybody sort of, you know, bootstrapping a business for, uh, uh, well, for I think any period of time, but especially eight years, um, you, you know, is, uh, uh, is fantastic. And so why, why at that point did you decide, uh, you know, eight years down the line to, to raise venture capital? Well, two things. Number one, I mean, we could have been 50-50 owner of this business for a long time and learned our way through lots of different mistakes and learnings. No mistakes is the wrong word, probably. Failings and learnings, if I can put it that way, to get to next level. But if we, if we had, um, you know, proper help, um, you know, VCs, uh, venture capitalists or vulture capitalists, how you want to put it. You know, I mean, they will come in because they want to add value and they will, you know, they're putting other people's money into the business over here. Mm-hmm. So they want to see that, hey, that, um, you know, that, that, that wealth is growing. So they will bring in a lot of expertise and talent into the business and will help us scale. That was mainly, mainly the, um, you know, the main driver um, in there. And secondly, when we're bootstrapped, one month's MRR was funding next month's growth. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, so you weren't able to do any long-term or strategic thing in, in, in there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, having the probably, you know, one of the best decisions we, we would have made in, in our 10-year journey. I mean, since Open have come, um, come on, uh, right now, the business grows as much. Per month, we're growing as much as we did for the first six years. So we really have been able to crack the, you know, uh, well, there's still a lot of work yet to be done, you know, at least from a growth metric perspective and other things in there. We have been able to, you know, get some great flywheel in growth engine working right now. And I'm just curious as well, with you guys being based in, uh, in the Sydney area in, in Australia and OpenView being based in Boston, uh, you know, on the East Coast in the U.S., like, how did you guys connect or why did you choose, you know, each other? Why did you choose OpenView and not, you know, not a VC firm, which is a little bit closer to, to where you are or someone, in, you know, in Australia? Look, um, I think there's about 12 or 15 VC firms here in, in Australia. Mm-hmm. And yep, I've met many of them. And look, I mean, there's, I can, there's different different kind of VCs, obviously. I mean, um, the guys who were here in, in Australia, very few of them had operator background, I would say. They're more mm-hmm. like an investment or, or banking background. So, um, I mean, money is not hard to get in today's world, okay, to be honest. But, I mean, if you look at VC just for somebody who's bringing in money, that's probably the wrong way to look at it. I look at it, the fact that, hey, if I'm the investor uh, that I'm bringing on board, number one, you know, have they built a business? Do they know, uh, like, another pain and suffering and trauma that I'm going to go through that, or we're going to go through, and they're going to help me guide through it in there? And, and like, you know, do they also share the passion? I mean, do they understand where we are at, how big it can be? Uh, what are the opportunities um, and, and, and challenges? Do they, do, they, do they have the same level of passion and feeling that I do for building, um, you know, building this business and, and fulfilling its mission? Um, that was the that was the yardstick I used. Now we the funny thing was met several of the people over here. 
then went to San Francisco for a roadshow. Uh, I did about 29 pitches in one week. Now, believe it or not, Open View was probably the 27th out of those 29 in there. And um, the, the, the feedback was um, overwhelming. Um, there's actually a blog by Howard Liebman on Medium about why Open View, how Open View won't be the deputy deal, and you'll probably get a, a good taste of it in there. But, I mean, we were really overwhelmed. And at the end of it, it, it came down to, um, you know, Open View, Open View, uh, like, you know, really sold themselves and, and hustled. And um, obviously, I must say that, you know, we, from time she's planning to close, it was done within, within 35 days. And they were, really, they were really helpful at the start of the journey. They're still very helpful. I mean, um, I actually find Open View um, like deputy to deputy, if I can put it that way. They're, they're truly the second in charge for us. And and so there's clearly obviously a, a decision that you've you know made to to raise venture capital and also to um, you know to partner with OpenView uh, as the the venture firm for your, your Series A and obviously the impact that it's had you know and it's like so far you know proven to be uh, a, a great decision. So we 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 are going to talk about uh, the art of making uh, uh, you know decisions good and bad um, um, just in a, in a second, just to kind of finish the picture around. Uh, deputy and uh, uh, and yourself as well. Just a couple of questions. So, like you've been going for ten years. Uh, two two years ago, raised venture capital. How big is the company now? Are you? Uh, is it entirely based in uh, Australia? Or are you global? Um, uh, can you paint a little picture around the size of the company? So, uh, just a little bit about uh, uh, deputy. Deputy is a workforce management solution, mm-hmm. uh, primarily for the you know um, hourly. Uh, or shift workers. So we do scheduling, time tracking, employee communication, and, and, and tasking. And from a customer segment perspective, we have customers who are, you know, five or 10 employees, all the way to businesses that have hundreds of thousands of employees, all, all within one product and, and one, per, one platform. Um, I mean, a, just another plug over there with the cause and the mission of the company, I actually get quite, uh, I get quite excited when I see businesses that join deputy when they're small, but they grow to hundreds or thousands of employees in there. So the product scales, and and given that we are targeting all sorts of different customer size, um, there's a product-led growth approach where almost a no-touch sales model. There's also, um, you know, a, a enterprise sales inside inside deputy. So uh, I do have people a very big product team, um, um, as well as um, a significant um, uh, you know uh, customer success team. Uh, there's about 200 people in the in the company. Um, actually, 10 started yesterday, believe it or not. So probably 210. I, I I can't keep up with the number. We are hiring a lot of people. Um, 125, I think, is in Sydney, um, and mostly product uh, and engineering over here. There's about um, uh, 40 or 50 odd in Atlanta. There's 10 in London, um, and uh, we have a big team presence in Philippines who so does customer success for us as well. So, so two ten roughly now. When you raised uh, venture capital two years ago, how many people were you? Just get an idea of like how fast that you scaled. In, uh, uh, in I think we are about ninety back then, or something okay. like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, including Philippines. Without Philippines, would have been about um, um, I don't know seventy. But I do remember our our engineering team was only eight people. Now coming up to about 35, 40. Uh, there was okay. only one. 
one product manager. Now there's about seven or eight. So now we 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 have uh, we have scaled in in that part of the business avenue. That was the main reason for the funding. And and, and you yourself, um, you're the CTO and CEO uh, of Deputy. How do you find the ability, uh, you, you know, to, to do both roles? Um, it's interesting. I, I think you're the first CTO and CEO um, that I, I, I've interviewed. I know, obviously, you get uh, a, a lot of uh, technical founders that you know, become, uh, you know, CEOs. But uh, why carry sort of like both uh, uh, titles uh, uh, as such? So I, I was... I was always CTO. I was actually never the CEO. And uh, um, as part of the fundraise process, I remember this is something that I, I met the Excel guys. And the last Friday before we left, um, they sat down and Steve Laughlin at Excel uh, and Brian Emily asked, so what are you guys thinking about the CEO? And my answer to that was that, well, I'm hoping that, you know, as part of the fundraise, you guys will, you know, they, you guys or whoever, I mean, we didn't have to go with Excel. Um, the, the, the VC firm will probably help us secure a professional CEO who, you know, help us scale. And um, uh, Steve Laughlin, I, I will never forget this, looked into one and goes like, have you ever thought about yourself being the CEO? And I'm like, I swear to God, until that moment, I never thought about it. I'm like, I wouldn't even know where to begin. What do, what do I do? It's like, it's it's very simple. You only have to do three things. Number one, you have to um, you know uh, be the holder of the vision. Like you, know, you really need to drill vision in everyone's head. Number two, the yardstick of culture. So people look up to you in what it means to be um, 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 a deputy. And number three, uh, the guy customers want to look in the eye before they buy your product. Everything else, you know, you can build an office around you or outsource. And um, he goes, like, you're already doing that. It already shows. <laughs> um, I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, and, and that's how actually I, 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 I became a CEO. And I, I must say that first 12 months, I really struggled. Um, but uh, then, um, you know, uh, this year, I've, I've, I've kind of got the hang of it in terms of like, you know, what are the things I should focus on and things that I, um, I should stop doing. Um, I, and uh, so that's how I've actually kind of had the CTO, became CEO. Over time, I think I will, um, I will let go um, of, the, of the CTO, uh, CTO role. And, um, you know, I've, and I'm, I don't know, I mean, one thing that I always tell everybody in deputy is that deputy isn't a dynasty. Um, just because you were there first means that you will you, be in there. I mean, who knows? One day I may not be the CEO, okay? I mean, you know, deputy IPOs and we become a public company. I don't know what I want to uh, you know, um, how effective I will be in terms of being CEO of a public company, managing all these investor relations and things. But anyway, it's, it's a learning journey. I, I don't, definitely don't take anything for granted, and I definitely don't take my own position for granted in there. So having been, uh, obviously, well, you, you know, you are the founder, co-founder, and, you know, now the CEO for the, for the last couple of years. So like, uh, uh, during the period of being CEO, you, um, you know, of a company that's raised venture capital and scale very quickly, you know, uh, can you share some of the decisions that you've made, um, you know, some of them that have been, you know, pretty tough to make, some of them that maybe have been, you know, the wrong decisions and, uh, and, and how you sort of dealt with that? Look, whether a decision is a wrong decision or not, you don't get to know that very quickly. I mean, if, if a decision is a wrong decision, you've figured out a lot, lot later, then um, 
the the technical debt you have accrued with the decision is is far harder to undo uh, um, in there. Uh, look, when we I remember, I mean, when we signed our term sheet um, a, that night when we went out to dinner, George Roberts from Open View told me probably one of the most impactful decision making advice of all time. Um, you know, first of all, there's no way to know whether a decision is right or wrong, okay, when you're making that decision. But he gave me a framework to look into um, that anyone, and I'll talk about it in my SAS talk, talk is that um, if you're making a decision and if it's in this order, company, customer, employee, partner, uh, you probably not make the wrong decision. I mean, don't make a decision that is bad for the company but great for customer, like, hey, let's lower our prices, <laughs> okay? If it, you know, it's great for customer if you lower your prices, but it's bad for the company in terms of growth. Or, hey, everybody gets to work four days per week. Great for employee, but not necessarily great for customer who are you know, uh, seeking service or the company in terms of what it can do in terms of its productivity in there. Um, so, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, a partner should, like, you know, it's not, that being in the lowest order, it's, it's, I mean, we have grown our business on the back of partnerships very, very heavily. And I'm like a very, uh, very much in debt to guys like Zero and Van, for example, who has helped us in, in our company growth. But like, and if we said that, hey, we're only going to sell to partners, but not sell direct. Once again, it's, it's great for partners, but not necessarily great for company. So whenever you make a decision, like applying that framework into um, um, that uh, decision making is really helpful. Like, and if you were, even if you're doing fundraising, um, you know, it's easy to make a decision based on, mm, I really like that, uh, you know, that partner in that VC firm. Okay, that's you as founder, being, you being the employee, but is, are they the best VC firm for the company in there, for example? So you, you really need to um, apply that framework in, 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 in the decision making uh, for any decision, basically, in the, in, in the company. And I actually openly talk about it, and I tell that to everybody in the whole company so they know where my mindset is at. Because, you know, you look at um, a lot of blogs and things like, uh, you know, Richard Branson continuously saying, hey, if you look after your employees, they will look after your customers, and it will be great. And, you know, some people actually bring that in front of me. And I'm like, dude, I ain't Richard Branson, okay? <laughs> I'm not fighting for my life day by day to, like, you know, um, uh, grow and survive this company. So that doesn't necessarily, that doesn't necessarily apply, apply, apply to me. And I, I can tell you that the wrong decisions I have made in this company is when I have not followed this framework. So um, um, if anything, if, if any, any value I can add to, um, you know, your audience or other entrepreneurs I met, I, I, I really tell them about this. And that's something that George Roberts, who actually used to be the head of sales at Oracle before joining OpenView, um, you know, uh, probably one of the best advice I've ever received. In a, a, a recent Forbes article, um, you mentioned that as a CEO of scaling SaaS business, uh, it, it's important to remember that your larger team's livelihood depends on your ability to make tough decisions to ensure that you've got the right people in the right positions for your company to thrive. So can you tell us a little bit about some of those decisions, uh, the tough ones, you know, and how you made them? I think I talked about it in, in that article as well. Um, look, being, first of all, um, a SaaS business is like a high-performing sports team, okay? Um, and um, you as the CEO... <laughs> 
is also a high performance athlete in that team. So you and think about being the coach or the driver in an F1 car or however you want to put it. And you really have to make some key strategic decision. And, and, and the challenge you have is that in, in a business, you can't really take a long time to make a decision. I mean, you have to make decisions very quickly and, um, and hope. Uh, because if, you don't, if you're taking a long time in making the decision, usually your company is not moving forward. And, it, you know, in that article, it was more about the fact that, hey, um, as the company is growing, I mean, uh, we're doubling. We have literally doubled every year for the last few years. Um, I mean, think about, think about a team which is doubling. Think about a human body that will double in size. And every bone structure, every cell, every muscle that needs to support that body also needs to double. Okay? To, to, uh, to bear the weight of that growth. And if you're not growing, um, you know, the body, if that part of the body, is some, some part of the body is not growing, um, the whole body will crumble in there. So quite often, you know, it, it's about identifying, um, you know, people in management or leadership who are in that position, whether, whether they're scaling with the growth and, you know, bringing in, either helping them grow in there um, or, um, like you know, bringing in outside outside leadership to uh, you know assist um, in that department function. Like you know, I I personally look at myself and I um, I have to learn how to be twice the leader, twice the CEO every year in there. And if I if I can't be, then you know I'm not doing justice by by the business. And if I if I stop growing in there, then you know I won't be the right leader uh, uh, for this business. So I am continuously learning. Um, I've actually recently got a CEO coach myself to help me with my growth so that, um, you know, I can, I can guide through, uh, guide this company through the challenges in, in its, in its journey. And that applies to every other leader in the business as well. Uh, aside from it's a great example, you mentioned obviously, uh, having a, a CEO coach, uh, how else are you learning, uh, uh, you know, to, to, to be a better CEO? Like what other things are you, are you doing, reading, listening to, et cetera? Well, I do uh, listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to your show, Alex, as well. I mean, I remember listening. The first episode I ever listened to from your show was, I think you're a G from Segment, who is at yeah. Drift now, one of, his, one of his shows. I actually learned something in that show that I, I was able to double our conversion rate in the business after listening to your show. So thank you for, <laughs> for having that. So I, 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 would, uh, I definitely um listen um to a lot of podcasts every day at least i will do two of them on my way to work and my and 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 coming back um obviously um uh, read a couple of books that has been um highly prescribed like now i would read uh, hard things about hard things um at least once a quarter um, um you know several chapters um in there um, and also, like, and I spend a lot of time um, with my with other CEOs, other board members, um, who has been there, done that, and and really learn learn from them about um, about the about the challenges in company building. And it, the funny thing is that it never finishes. There's something new that I'm I'm always learning, and I'm able to go and apply um, in there. I mean, uh, it, it, people ask me uh, quite often, like, you know, is there anything? Anything I can pass on to them about becoming, um, you know, more effective or or starting a business. Only one word: learn, learn, learn. Just keep learning. Uh, 
The um, it's, tell us a little bit about how you came up with the uh, uh, with the title for your keynote. What inspired you to talk about this? Uh, uh, for, uh, to be specific, for your keynote at SAS Doc Oceania uh, in, in Sydney on December the sixth, um, and why you were like, inspired to to talk about this and share this with the audience. Well, I you know I mean I actually had to go and give a talk um, uh, to several other entrepreneurs a couple of couple of months ago, and I was thinking about what what can how can i um, add value to people who come and listen to my talk is the only things that like you know um uh, part of the french the shit i wish i knew before i started the business i mean there's things that i've really hard to um have to learn the uh um learn the hard way and your job as ceo the number one job uh, for ceo is actually you know m- making decisions that need to be made for the business and um and like now, when you go to a conference, like either be Saxton or listen to podcasts, one of the biggest mistakes people make, I, I notice, is that hmm, oh, such and such did that. Um, maybe we should do that too. And they go and do that. I mean, this is kind of the mistake um, I would like to call these monkey see, monkey do in there, and it, it drives so much bad outcome for business and other people. Um, I, I mean, I'm actually going to talk about specific examples of how we have made some, some of the bad, bad decisions um, in, in, in a, I mean, there's a good decision framework. There's also a bad decision framework right? in the sense that you can, you can really qualify that the decision you have made, you have made it as a, a, as a bad decision. Um, and I'll go through some live examples over there of what we have done in the business. And you now had, had I had my time and I probably wouldn't have done that. Um, and hopefully, um, the you know the entrepreneurs or other leaders in the uh, audience can learn from it and and avoid the same mistake that I did. Excellent. Well, I'm I'm super excited to uh, uh, to see and listen to that talk uh, uh, just in uh, in uh, a couple of weeks now. Um, uh, so yeah, super excited for that. And we, we come we come to the end of the show now. Uh, we always like to ask our guests how they stay healthy and sane on on their SaaS journey. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about you know what is your way? Well, first of all, it's not easy, at least in my position, uh, for the company, for the growth it's going through, plus being a global business. Like I, I always have a meeting this time um, of the morning uh, with, with the U.S. team and then uh, kind of late uh, quite often with team in U.K. and um, or, or obviously working late with the team in, in, in Sydney. I, there are some hacks that I have, um, I have come up with. One of them is that I've stopped driving to work. I'd rather walk. Uh, I end up walking about six to seven kilometers per day. Uh, that has been really good, good for health. All my meetings are walking meetings, for example. And from a family perspective, uh, I, uh, you know, uh, uh, two, young, uh, uh, two, two young boys, what we do, um, I mean, I actually don't get to see them much during the weekdays, but I do get to spend a solid amount of time with them over weekends. Uh, one thing we do every quarter, we have a... a uh, big holiday. By big holiday, I mean like one or two weeks. Uh, but it's like you know, our last one was in um, uh, Switzerland and Lake Como. We went to I went to visit our UK team, and after that, went to Switzerland and then drove to um, Lake Como. Uh, we already got our Christmas holiday planned. We already got our um, uh, planned and booked, and we also have our Easter holiday planned and booked. So it gives you that something to look forward to in there as you work hard. Um, and yeah, I mean. Pretty much after every board meeting, I I I I will have a week or two off, and that actually allows me to 
um, process all the thoughts, spend quality time with their um, um, family, uh, get recharged, and then you know uh, start performing. Awesome, awesome. I, I like that, and uh, I, I wish, or maybe one day I will have a, a holiday every quarter. Um, at uh, yeah, the holidays also. I think uh, depending on on where you're going. Um, certainly, I've, I've got two young kids, uh, a two year old and uh, uh, and a three and a half year old, and uh, you've got to pick the right uh, type of holiday to to kind of make it relaxing. Um, I think our, our recent holiday was that uh, there was a little bit too much. Uh, travel and moving from here and there which uh, ended up becoming quite stressful so we felt like we needed a holiday after the holiday um, but uh, um, the advice i will give is be next to the water yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> it's not no. hard to do by being here in sydney yeah interesting exactly. destinations well uh Ashik, i know um uh you know it, it, it's early you've got many more meetings and a long day ahead of you um so really want to thank you again for um not only obviously you know uh, uh taking your time uh, for us to be, you know, one of the first calls of uh, uh, of the day, uh, but also really kind of sharing, uh, you know, so, uh, some uh, insights into uh, these, these stories around the business, scaling the business, frameworks for decision making, uh, and look forward to hearing much more uh, uh, on that in detail, you know, at your talk at Saslock Oceana in Sydney on uh, on December the 6th. So thank you so much, uh, Ashik Ahmed, uh, CEO of Deputy, for being a fantastic guest uh, on the podcast today. Thank you, Alex, and thank you for doing this show. I, I do get to learn a lot about um, you know other people and their journey, and you know it it has definitely added to um, you know my my life and myself being an effective CEO. So thank you for doing what you do as well, and thank you for having me. It's an honor. No, it's uh, great great to hear. Very uh, humbling as well, and obviously that's the reason that we do it. So uh, it's good to good to hear when we you know founders are. Uh, uh, you know, say that they listen to the podcast, um, you know, always surprises me, but uh, we, we know that the stats are good, but it always surprises me when I meet somebody and they, they listen to it and they get value out of it. So it's, uh, it's really nice to hear. Um, thanks again, Ashik. Uh, have a great day. You too. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the SaaS Revolution show as much as I did uh, and have picked up valuable lessons from Ashik Ahmed on how to make better decisions as you grow and scale your SaaS business. Uh, Ashik will be joined by 20 other uh, pretty amazing speakers at SaaStock Oceania on December the 6th. If you fancy joining us there, grab a ticket at saastock.com. And if you want to uh, make benefit of my uh, personal discount code and save 30% on tickets of those that are remaining, use code AlexT30 uh, and join us there. Uh, thanks for listening. See you next time.